Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Wake-up call 057, living the good life. That's Wake Up Call 057, Living the Good Life. I'm so happy that you're here. If you don't know by now or you're a first-time listener, I'm your host, AJ, and this is the Faith for My Generation podcast. And I want to talk to you today about how we can live the good life. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 1. We're going to look at the first psalm in the book of Psalms. And it's Psalm 1. Let's read. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper." The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I love this first psalm in the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms. It has so many wonderful songs of worship and praise, but also many of the psalms are prayers. Um, And lots of times the songs that we sing that we call worship songs or praise songs, really all they are are prayers set to music. And I'm a worshiper, I'm a praiser, and I'm a prayer, and I know that you are too, being part of the faithful. But this very first psalm that we see in the book of Psalms talks about two groups of people, the godly and the ungodly the righteous and the unrighteous. And I want to kick that off right, right there with that, that first idea. In God's eyes, there are only two groups of people on the entire earth. There are only two groups of people on the entire earth. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 says this, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. If you skip over to, get my notes here, There's another portion, there it is, 22, but it's also in what, verse 49. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. 1 Corinthians 15 shows us, and there's other places in Scripture as well, but that there are simply two groups of people in the earth. There are descendants of Adam, and there are descendants, or sons and daughters of God. Now, naturally... Every person that's ever inhabited the planet and will are sons and daughters of Adam. And this is why in John chapter 3, Jesus says, you must be born again. Because naturally, I was born into a family that has been rejected by God because of sin. You know, we we talked about this, and it was a few episodes ago, but it's uh, entitled The Kindness of God. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. 
and we go to the book of Samuel, I believe it's 2 Samuel, and we, we see the kindness of David toward Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, or one of his sons, and how in that same way David showed Mephibosheth kindness, so did God toward us. And just as Mephibosheth, as he was in a rejected family, the family of Saul, so were we, having been born unto Adam in a sinful nature. Ephesians chapter 2. We are born with a nature of wrath, and that's why we must be born again. So Psalm 1 opens up with these two groups of people. Psalm 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And actually, it goes to, it gives three different names for the unrighteous, for the ungodly. Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, literally, those Hebrew words, ungodly, those are people who are wicked. The sinner is the person who misses the mark. And the scornful is the mocker. Those are really just three types or three characteristics or three attributes of what it looks like when you live a life that's not pleasing unto God. When you live a life of sin, a life that we all were born into. But you don't have to stay that way. Amen? You and I, when we hear the gospel and we put our faith in the finished work of the cross of Christ and we confess Jesus, who rightfully who he is, Lord, and more specifically, Lord of our life, and we surrender to him, he makes us a brand new creation. And we're brought into this group of the godly. Now, what's so interesting, some people give the Lord a real bad rap, and I can't stand that. I really can't. And I, I have to have... Uh, compassion, I guess you might say, or, or patience, rather, patience. Uh, and my wife was instructing me this, instructing me in the way of patience just the other day <laughs> with some people. I understand people are brought up different ways, and some people haven't really studied the Scriptures just simply to see what God is saying to them through His Word, but they hear the Word of God or hear very little of the Word of God, but always through the lens of, or the interpretation of man. Look, there's some in imagery in the Bible, I get that, and we have to understand and discern what figurative language, what literal meaning the figurative language of the Bible has for us. But by and large, the majority of the Bible is literal, and the entire Bible should be taken literally. And when there is figurative language, on the few cases there is, you know, for instance, these beasts that we see in Daniel or the book of Revelation, what do they symbolize? We find out what that figurative language implies and then take the implication literally because the Word of God is just that, the Word of God to you and me. And so I understand there's, we're, we're, we're at different levels um, of understanding. We're all growing in the knowledge of God. Amen? And that's our prayer, Ephesians 1, that the eyes of our understanding be opened, enlightened to the things of God. But, but it's so unfortunate that many people who, who's, who confess Jesus, who say they love God, they have this, it's a strong word, but a perverted idea, a contaminated idea, a, a, a tainted idea, a poisoned idea of who God is. As if God just has a desire to wreak havoc in our lives and by His sovereignty He is teaching us something. You know what? I'm going to be real honest with you. When I've experienced destruction, stealing, killing, John 10, 10, the work of Satan, in my life, it was because I was 
in sin, engaging in sin. I was disobedient. Just just a friend the other day was talking about how, you know, she, uh, concerning work. She's saying, you know, I, I, I've had a long, hard year of work. And she said, honestly, when I was applying for this place and this position of work, I felt I didn't feel right about it. I, I felt a little uneasy. And she said, and I should, and that was, I believe the Lord, and I should have listened, but I didn't. And so I've had a rough year. But even in that, the Lord's helped me to get through it, and now has opened up a, that correct door of opportunity to actually go through. That that that's that is how the Christian life works. When we are obedient to God, Psalms one, we live the blessed life. We live the good life. Don't don't be offended. Don't be. Um, triggered by hearing that statement. What do you mean how to live the good life? I thought as Christians we're going to be persecuted. Sure, we are, Mark chapter 10. But with that persecution also comes rich blessing in every area of life. And Paul reminded Timothy this over and over again. Be a good soldier of the cross of Christ. Now, I know, uh, faithfully listen, good friend and uh, family. We're family, Josh. We're family even though it's by marriage. I'll I'll accept you and I's family. I pray that you would return it. (laughs) I I know a a listener of the Faith for My Generation podcast, um, Josh, he was in the Marine Corps. He understands that statement much more than most of us do. Well, in fact, if we we aren't military and serve, we probably don't. We can only imagine what that means, but to be a good soldier of Christ. But even as he served in the Marine Corps, combat vet overseas, you know, he didn't have to go provide for, he didn't have to go buy his own, you know, weaponry, uh, his own, you know, battle fatigues, food, gear, heavy machinery they used. No, that was provided. Now, he was put in harm's way. <laughs> and there was a war going on. Sure, you and I are soldiers of the cross, and there's a war going on, and there's pushback, and there's persecution. Absolutely. But our God who is Lord of heaven and earth, is backing us up, empowering us, strengthening us. And here's the thing. His desire is for you and I to live a blessed life, to live a life filled with happiness. This first phrase, maybe we'll get off verse 1. Who knows? (laughs) Psalm 1, verse 1, blessed is the man. That word blessed literally means happy, full of joy, full of joy. Happiness is reserved for the man, for the woman, who will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. So verse 1 shows us what the godly does not do. If you want to, and, and this is how I see the Word of God, and I think this is how we should approach the Word of God, as literal instruction from God to us, His sons and His daughters, His people, His army, His kingdom inhabitants, we should approach His Word as literal instruction. So the Bible's given us an instruction. Your walk should look different. You know, when the Bible talks about walk, it's implying much more than literally going from point A to point B by foot. It's referring to the conduct of your life, the flow of your life, the walk of your life. 
In Ephesians chapter 5, we see three different aspects or characteristics of the walk of the believer. It's, it's really interesting when you compare it to Psalms 1. Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love. So we're to live in love, walk in love. But what kind of love? Because the world uses that four-letter word love a lot, and they have no idea what it means. Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us. And given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So the walk we live in is a benevolent love. It's a self-giving love. It is a love that offers oneself on the, on the altar of sacrifice time and time again. As Christ. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us. And given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Well, if you keep going, the verse 8 Ephesians 5, verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I think it's so powerful the way this is phrased here in verse 8. Notice it doesn't say, For you once were in darkness. It says, For you once were darkness. But now you are not in light, standing in the light, seeing the light. You are light in the world. Walk as children of light. You know, Jesus said that. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then he also turns to us, you and me, his disciples, the faithful, and he says, you are the light of the world. You are a candle set on a table. Don't cover it with a basket. You are a city on a hill, shining bright for all to see. You are to be my example of what it looks like to live for me in a dark world, so that people can see the light to come to Christ. Then you go to verse 15, the third time in Ephesians 5 where we see this word walk. See then that, that, that you, excuse me, see then that you walk circumspectly, literally meaning carefully, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So our walk, the conduct of our life, the way we live for the Lord is to be one filled with love, Christ-like love, benevolent, self-giving love. It is, a, it is a walk of light, of holiness, of purity, of leading people to Christ. And it is a walk of wisdom, not foolishness. True wisdom, wisdom of God, wisdom of eternal life, wisdom of the things of God and His nature and who He is. So the comparison being made in Psalm 1, verse 1, is the way you live is different than the way the wicked live. And notice it says, does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Doesn't take the advice of the ungodly. If you're going to live this miraculous life we call the Christian life, you need not only ignore, but turn away from the advice of the wicked. And that sounds strong. It's 2023, you know, maybe where you're living. We got people, as of last year, we had 11 nations listening to the Faith for My Generation podcast. And I'm asking the Lord and believing that to be double this year. In Jesus' name, give us reach, Lord. Hallelujah. But in my nation, United States of America, you know, it seems like many Christians gravitate toward a very passive I'm going to say soft, weak, 
idea of God and his word and heir to the to the side of mm, for lack of better words softness sure God is kind we just did a whole whole episode on the kindness of God he is kind but he's also holy he is loving but he's also just he is full of peace but he's also one who will bring judgment because he cannot be loving without being just, and he cannot be just without being loving. He cannot be kind and merciful unless he is also holy. It's like a good parent, a real good parent that really loves their children will bless their children when they do right and quickly discipline their children when they do wrong. And both actions are out of love. And the book of Hebrews tells us that. If we as natural parents can do that, how much more will our Father in heaven care for and discipline us? And the instruction here in Psalm 1 verse 1 is, don't live life according to the advice of people dead in sin. I've, I, this should ring so true in our hearts and our minds. If someone who doesn't know God wants to give me their opinion about him, why would I even take the time to listen other than to refute it with Scripture and, and share the good news of Christ Jesus in hopes that the Word of God will be sown in the fertile ground and that they will hear, repent, believe, and confess, Lord, Jesus is Lord. Apart from that, why am I going to entertain someone who's dead in sin, who has no understanding of the things of God? It's foolishness. Now notice this. Walk, that's how we live. We are to live separated in matters of holiness from this world. We're to, we're, we're to live holy and separate from wickedness, but not the wicked people. Now, hear me out here. What I mean by that is we are in this world, but not of this world, right? The Lord Jesus told us that. We physically inhabit this planet in the current system of antichrist that's working in the earth we are here as foreigners we are here just like father abraham the father of our faith we are searching for a city whose foundation is built by god we're pilgrims passing through this life in this planet we're in it but we're not born of it we've been born again we're in a new kingdom the kingdom of heaven we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the dear son of his love the kingdom of heaven. So we're to live holy. We're to live separate. That's what the walk's talking about. Now notice this. Nor stand in the path of sinners. Uh, um, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. The flow and conduct of our life is to be one that is separated. Separated from ungodliness. Now verse 2. But his delight. Whose delight? The blessed man. The happy man. The blessed woman. The happy woman, the man or woman that's living the good life, the God kind of life. Verse 2, that person delights in the law of the Lord, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates, and in his law he meditates day and night. Psalms 1-2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Meditates, ponders by taking to himself, mulling it over, 
thinking about it, churning it over and over. It's literally the example that's given that I've heard so many times. The literal example is as a cow chews the cud or chews, chews grass. If you don't know this, fun little fact, and I don't know the exact number, but cows have several stomachs. Is it four? I think it's four. If you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, comment and let me know if you know how many stomachs cows actually have. That'll make fun a good fun read for when people come back and watch this later. They'll be like, why are these people talking about cows? And it's going to take them about 20 minutes before they figure it out. <laughs> but cows have multiple stomachs. And it's kind of gross, but kind of cool at the same time. It's one of those things where you go, ooh, that's so cool. <laughs> they chew the grass Cud, foliage, if you will. That's my big $2 word for the day, foliage. They chew it, goes in the first stomach, then it comes back up, they regurgitate it, chew it again, digest it again, and it goes to the next stomach and works its way through. Aren't you glad that we don't have to do that? Aren't you glad that the Lord saw fit that you and I as humans wouldn't have to do that? That would make for a really interesting first date, wouldn't it? You know, imagine for those that are married listening, uh, I'm thinking about my wife and I. I was going to wine her, you know, wine and dine. We don't drink wine. <laughs> but I was going to take her out to the wonderful establishment, the high, high-end restaurant known as the Olive Garden for some endless breadsticks and salad. You know, I'm a, I mean, I'm a man that spares no expense. Come on. Chicken Alfredo. More breadsticks, sir. Come on, for the young lady. <laughs> and you know what? To my heart's glee, when I told her where we wanted, where I was going to take her to eat after the movie we went and saw, she said, well, we just go to the Waffle House. And I'm like, Lord, you have sent my wife. Hallelujah. He who finds a wife has found a good thing and obtained favor from the Lord. Come on, somebody. Waffle House. Hey. Scattered, smothered, and covered. Well, aren't you thankful that on that first date, I wasn't chewing it and regurgitating my scattered, smothered, covered hash browns. All right, enough of that. That's gross. But that's the idea of meditating, of pondering, mulling it over, letting it churn and turn and turn and digest and digest over and over and over, getting all the nutrition, all the life out of it. That's how we approach the Word of God. And in order to live the good life, that is a key component to living the good life. We're separate from wickedness. We're separate from ungodliness. We're separate from the sinners or the sinful nature of this world. But it's not just avoiding what is wrong. It's enjoying what is right. Amen. I'm going to say that again because I didn't even plan to say that, but that was pretty good. Living the good life is not just about avoiding, fleeing unrighteousness, avoiding what is wrong, but enjoying what is right, what is holy, what is righteous, what is just. And part of that is the Word of God. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. There it is again. Churn it, ponder it, think about it, mull it over day and night, that you may observe to do all, observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. The, uh, a second key component to living the good life, you need to be saturated with the Word of God. First key component, be separated from the ungodliness of this world. Second key component to living the good life, saturate yourself. Fill yourself to overflowing with the Word of God. Digest the Word of God. The Lord told this to Jeremiah. 
to Ezekiel, both prophets, take my word and eat it. In the book of Revelation to John the Revelator, take this word and eat it, digest it, consume it, fill your insides with it. Just as you would go sit down at a dinner table, I mean, and not just like a, a normal meal of the, week, of the week. I'm talking like Thanksgiving, Christmas, showdown, dinner time. I've not eaten breakfast or the supper the night before so that when I come and sit at this table and there's bounty set about before me, Thanksgiving bounty, I can go hard and eat until I'm about to pass out in a coma. <laughs> and then about three hours later, hmm, I wonder if there's another piece of pie. <laughs> Fill your heart and your mind with the Word of God. Saturate yourself with it. Third component to living the good life, situate yourself by, living by the living water. Now, come on, somebody. Maybe you didn't notice it, but a few, have may, a few of you may have noticed, wow, AJ's doing, he's on fire. He just gave us three points, and they all start with the letter S. Separated, saturated, situated. I wish I could say I came up with that, but I didn't. Bible teacher and commentator Warren Wiersbe wrote that in his outline concerning Psalm 1. That's it. Sorry. That's basically all I can do, guys. All I can do is study and bring to you what other men have written down. And every now and then, I, the Lord gives me a good little nugget. <laughs> but Warren Wiersbe, powerful commentator and writer concerning the Word of God. And he gave me those three points. So I'm going to give honor where honor's due. That's fine with me. Uh, I'm, I'm fine to be a messenger. <laughs> but I like that. We're to be separated, Psalms 1, verse 1. We're to be saturated with the Word of God, Psalms 1-2. Now notice this, Psalms 1-3, it, it, it's a perfect little outline. You want to live the good life? You want to be happy? You want to be blessed? Third point, third requirement, third ingredient to the recipe of the good life. He, the blessed man, the one that's not walking in wickedness or ungodliness, the one that is separate from the world, the one that's being saturated, filled with the Word of God, and verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. You want to live a life that everything you put your hand to is blessed? Deuteronomy 28, Ephesians 1.3. Which, by the way, let's just pause for a second. God's original desire, and still to this day, his only desire for mankind, his creation, is to bless them. That's what God has always and still today and continues to desire. He just wants to bless and love and feel his man, mankind, with his goodness. If you don't believe that, then you've not read Genesis 1. Because in the beginning, when God created man and woman, he placed them in a place of abundance that had no sickness, no disease, no death, no poverty, no anxiety, no depression, no wickedness, no hurt, no harm, pure, undefiled, holy, fruitful, blessed, rich, prosperous in every area of life. And it was that way until sin came. And Christ, you could say it this way, Maybe this is the first time I've said it on the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm not sure. But this is something I've heard my father say. If you go to the book of Revelation, in fact, let's see if we can find it. Genesis 1, we see that 
God puts them in the garden, and there is the tree of life, right? The tree which gives the goodness of God and the life of God. In the book of Revelation, let's see if I can find it. I think it's in Revelation 22. If not, it's in 21. I won't spend too much time searching for it. But in the the last chapter or two of the book of Revelation, there it is, Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. So there you have it, Genesis 1. God puts man in a blessed place. Sin destroys that connection that man has with God, therefore destroying the blessing of the Lord. Proverbs 10.22, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. God's blessing is a sorrowless blessing. You know, the world will promise blessing in some areas of life. For instance, there are men and women who can go out and make a lot of money but it comes at a cost of them losing their marriage or the relationship with their children or their health or their peace. God doesn't play that game. He says, if you'll follow me, you'll do life my way, you'll be blessed in every area of life. You'll be blessed in every area of life. In Genesis 1, we see that. Place in the blessing, sin destroys the connection that allows the blessing to flow in our life. Jesus restores that blessing because Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 This is good. Ephesians 1 verse 3. I love this verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Jesus restores that channel, that connection of blessing, which is by the way of salvation. Fast forward to Revelation 22, 14. Those that do his commandments get to eat of the tree of life. So the whole gospel story, the whole gospel message is getting mankind back to the relationship that mankind had before sin entered the world. It's that simple. It's that simple. The whole message of Christ, the whole gospel, can be summed up in God did what was necessary so that man could come back to him just as man was before sin entered the equation. What a good God we serve. In verse 3, we see this. As a believer who is separate from the world, connected to God, filled with the Word of God, saturated with the Word of God, we are to situate ourselves. We are to live continually in the presence of God, just like a tree. If you want a tree to be fruitful, it must have a constant supply of water. And what better place for a tree to live, grow, and become fruitful than being placed, situated, literally, on a riverbank. A tree that has its roots growing down through the riverbank and seeping in water from a constant flow, that river, that tree will be fruitful. That tree will have strong roots, a strong foundation, a strong trunk, many branches, and much fruit. That tree, even when the rain doesn't fall, it will still have a supply of water. The trees out in the field, they're waiting for the rain to come. Maybe it's this day, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's next week, maybe it's next month. 
But as long as the river's flowing, that tree is completely supplied and nourished. Maybe it rains, maybe it doesn't. doesn't matter. I've got a river that I'm drinking out of. And that's the life of the believer. Now, I would not do justice. I would, would not do justice if I went past this. Verse 4, 5, and 6. Six verses in Psalm 1. The first three dedicated to the first class of people we've discussed, the godly. There's the second class of people, the ungodly. We need to see both sides so that we can, as Paul said in 1 Timothy 6 to the young pastor Timothy, flee from unrighteousness. Flee, run from sin. Well, AJ, do you mean literally run? Yeah. If it means that you won't fall in sin, yes, literally run away. Literally run away. Psalms 1, verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now notice the word that's given to compare. In Psalms 1-3, the righteous are compared to like a strong tree planted beside a river of water. But the ungodly are compared to as chaff. Now, we probably don't know what chaff is. Now, this isn't where, you know, someone like me who has big legs and in the hot summer days <laughs> will get inner chafing. We'll get chafing in the inner thigh area <laughs> to where, that's TMI, I'm not even going to say it, never mind. But thank God for Gold Bond Glide. Uh, it looks like a stick of deodorant. And it's what runners use when they go on long runs and marathons. This guy over here, your host of the Faith for My Generation podcast, uh, he uses it daily just so I can live in comfort. That may be a word for somebody out there. Go get you a stick of gold bond, and your life will be much more smooth. <laughs> and I do mean that with a pun. The, so we're not talking about that chaffing. We're talking about the chaff or chafing, I guess is the way you actually say it. The chaff, if, you, if you've ever seen a, a field of grain, and if you haven't, you must live in a really big city and never travel to the country. But if you haven't, use your great resource called Google and search a field of wheat. You know, search a field of wheat, a field of grain, barley, uh, different types of grains, right? All grain is the same in that what we actually eat, the portion of the wheat that, or, or barley or whatever, or rye or whatever type of grain it is, the portion that we actually eat is the inner, I guess you might say seed or inner part of the grain, inner part of the head of the grain. That we take and we can grind it up and turn it into flour. We can mill it, M-I-L-L, mill it, and make it into flour that we can then use it to make the wonderful things that are in the world of baked goods, cookies, rolls, subs, breads, croissants, bagels. Come on, somebody. But what we do not eat, the outer shell that protects what's inside it, that's called the chaff. And in this day and age, when this is being pinned down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the psalmist is saying the ungodly are like that outer shell of the wheat grain. The life they live is worthless. Ooh, that's strong, isn't it? 
It's not that they themselves in the eyes of God are worthless. No, every person, God sent his son and Jesus has died for all that all might be saved. But the life they live is a life of no worth. The actions that they do. Hear me out here. Don't AJ saying people are worthless. Not the individual person. But a life of sin is worthless. It all it will bring to you is destruction. It's a bad return on investment. You will get paid for living a life of sin. But the Bible tells us, Romans 6.23, the payment you get is death. Living that type of life will just simply bring destruction. And the ungodly are like this outer shell. And in this day and age, what they would do, they would shake up and they would winnow, W-I-N-N-O-W. They would winnow the grain, have a winnowing fan, and they would, bur- they would shake up this grain to where that which is valuable would fall through the blades of this fan down to the threshing floor so that they could then grind it up into flour. And that which was, excuse me, worthless, the chaff, it would flutter, flutter, float away in the air or be set to the side and burned up. Because it has no value. Do not be like the ungodly. Don't live a worthless life. We have a choice to live a life filled with worth in the eyes of God or a worthless life. And we shall be, in Jesus' name, the godly, the righteous in Christ who live a life full of worth in the eyes of God. Notice this, verse 5. These type of people, the ungodly, they will not stand in the judgment. Now, that doesn't mean literally they won't be judged. Well, they're saying they won't be judged. No, it's saying in the time of judgment, some will be able to stand and some will fall. Those that are remain standing, <laughs> you understand, those at gen- in a general sense, those are saved. But in, when the judgment comes, everyone that is an ungodly, the judgment of God will destroy them. They won't be able to stand or withstand it. No, they'll fall under the hand of judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. They won't be able to have fellowship and enjoyment in the things that God has promised to the righteous. And then lastly, verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I want to read this note as I finish up. Uh, This is just so good. Um... William MacDonald of the Bible's Believer Commentary, he says this concerning verse 6. What is the reason for all this? The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He is not only aware of their lives, but He approves them as well. What a contrast with the termination of a sinful life, eternal death. We cannot emphasize too often, however, that a person's destiny is not determined by the way he lives. Well, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm misreading here. Some of y'all may hear my sweet, precious daughter Naomi in the background. <laughs> oh, okay. Ah, forgive me. The note moved on me. Let me reiterate that. Verse 6. She was walking by. She distracted me a little bit. A good distraction. Psalms 1-6. What is the reason for this? The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He is not only aware of their lives, but He approves them as well. What a contrast with the termination of sinful life, eternal death. Here is, and here's the portion that I wanted you to see as well. It is impossible to visualize a happy man 
who is not also a man of God's book. He has an insatiable hunger for the word of the Lord. He loves the Bible, meditates on it day and night. By this means, his own life is enriched and he becomes a channel of blessing to others. That's the type of life we want to live. We want to be this tree of righteousness. Psalms 92 talks about the planting of the Lord. Jeremiah 17 talks about us being trees of righteousness. We want to be these trees of righteousness, not chaff, not blown away in the wind of life. We want to be strong trees planted by the river of living water so that many can see the good life that God has promised. Don't, don't, don't be offended by that. Don't be triggered by that. I think, honestly, it's really silly. Some Christians, and really it's, it's usually people that I... Ah, sounds judgmental. I don't want to be judgmental. But sometimes I, I come across Christians who live a really great life. Like, let's be honest, if you live in my nation, United States of America, you're not really experiencing persecution. But then you, the way some Christians talk, living in, in the U.S., where we still have freedom of religion, and live a really wonderfully blessed life because our nation is still receiving some residual benefits from our forefathers that went before us who founded this nation on the Bible. The United States was founded upon the Word of God. That's why it became a superpower in the world in 200 years and has been richly blessed. And unfortunately, by and large, many of our people in our nation and our government is turning from the Word of God, but not us, not the faithful. But, you know, I, I come across some Christians, it's like, it's like they're living in Iran or Sudan or Nigeria or, or North Korea. Like, there are real godly men and women that live in those nations, and they're living a blessed, happy life under heavy duress and persecution but full of joy and the blessings of God, prospering in the things that they do for the Lord. So let not me and you kind of be, if, if you will, no offense to any Debbies out there, a Debbie Downer. Let's be happy. Let's be joyful warriors for the kingdom of heaven, filled with the joy of God, because God has a desire to bless us and fill our life with happiness. And so I pray that we all would collectively receive that what God has in, has planned for us and desired for us. Hey, I'm so thankful for you that watch and listen. Uh, if you would, please, if you're listening on the podcast, leave a five-star review if you haven't already. It helps me get this message of the gospel out to more people. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, please like, share, comment. I'd appreciate it. And I'm thankful. Hey, you want to text the link to a friend? A lot of y'all do that as well. Hey, I think you'd enjoy this episode. You just share the link by text to someone. Last year, we were in the top 15% of most shared podcasts in the world. Oh man, that's awesome. And that's th- and that's all thanks to you the faithful helping me get this ministry and this word of God out to people. And that's our desire, right? We as the faithful coming collectively together by way of digital platforms to study the word of God and become true faithful men and women of God continually serving him and His power and His might, and doing our part to win more people to Christ. So I'm thankful that we're partnered together. I really do appreciate you. And I pray the Lord's richest blessings on you. And I pray that you'll live the happy, blessed, good life that Christ has afforded for us. Because we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. 
Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.